Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There's a passage that I want us to look at together in Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 27, and I want us to read through chapter 2, verse 2. A thought that begins in chapter 1 actually extends into the greater part of chapter 2. Let us begin reading at verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me and now hear to be in me. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if in any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. May the Lord bless this word. I don't want it to escape your notice that one reason we started in chapter 1, verse 27, and read to chapter 2, verse 2, is because there's a similar theme of oneness, of unity, of togetherness that is the focus of the first verse of our text and the last verse of our text. You cannot read verse 27 of chapter 1 or verse 2 of chapter 2 and not see that basically the emphasis that Paul places on oneness, on togetherness, on unity constitutes a kind of exegetical or expositional or textual bookend to the text. You cannot read that without noticing it. It's very obvious. It is very apparent. Paul is writing in this particular epistle, just some introductory matters, and we're going to get into the text. He's writing in this epistle from prison, but interestingly, this letter from prison, the prison letter called Philippians, is the most buoyant, most effervescent, the most enthusiastic, the most joyous of all his letters. In fact, I did a word search just recently looking through the words joy or rejoice or rejoicing, and there are at least 15 occurrences of the word joy, rejoice, or rejoicing in Philippians chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. In fact, the word rejoice 
occurs in some kind of form in all four chapters, which serves notice to me, and I hope to you, that you and I can be locked in to a situation, but we don't have to be locked out. And you know and I know that prisons take on many forms. There are emotional prisons, there are experiential prisons, there are financial prisons, there are relational prisons, there are cognitive prisons. Sometimes the way we think about something can become a prison situation. But here's a wonderful letter that reminds us that in the midst of a incarceration, in the midst of an imprisonment, in the midst of bondage, you can still have some joy. And so I want to talk about today making sense of our faith. Paul is encouraging the Philippians as they faced the twin terrors of opposition and adversity from without and division from within to make sense of their faith. The division from within has to do particularly, and they're called out in the book, two women whose name means fragrance and fortunate. And apparently there's some kind of disunity or discord taking place between them. But Paul is challenging the church in the context of the opposition from without and division from within to make sense of their faith. Togetherness, oneness, unity, it's much easier to talk about that than to experience it. Not only, and I don't want you to to, to leave this laying just at the foot of what happens at the church, but that's true in family, in marriage. It's a lot easier to talk about it than to experience it. Paul is saying to the church at Philippi that, listen, you got to make sense of your faith because there's some sense to this unity. There is some spiritual capital. There are some spiritual assets. There are some spiritual resources that God has given us to help us achieve and to experience the actualization of unity in our experience. In this text, Paul is saying that you need to perform a spiritual appraisal because there are some things that God has provided to you to help you and me to achieve this oneness, to achieve this unity, to achieve this togetherness that not only are bookends in the text, but are the very things that Jesus prayed for in his upper room high priestly prayer, Father, that they may be one even as we are one. So we need to make sense of our faith. Now here's the point I want to make about make sense. If you notice in chapter 2, you have four phrases. If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. You could, and some of you may already see this because you have translations other than the King James Version. If could very well be translated since. This is the condition of if, and we miss it in translation. That means it's true. Literally, he's saying, since there are consolations in Christ, since there's comfort of love, since there's fellowship of the Spirit, and since... There are bowels and mercies since you have these things. Not if you have them. Since you have them. Since I have them, we can experience all that God 
has ordained that we enjoy. And so, my brothers and sisters, if we look at these four senses, we need to make sense of our faith. Let's look at the first sense. First of all, we need to make sense of our compelling position. We need to make sense of our compelling position. Not S-E-N-S-E, but S-I-N-C-E. Make sense of our compelling position. And where is that? It says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ. Uh, The word translated consolation here, in many translations, moves in a different direction that gets to the heart of the meaning of the text. For instance, the NIV calls it united with Christ. The New Living Translation says belonging to Christ. But what Paul is emphasizing here is that we need to make sense of our position in Christ. He uses the word paraclesis, which is also the word used for the minister of the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John, which means to come alongside or to come near. But the focus is our positional relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to make sense of our compelling positions. Therefore, if any man be in what? Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. He or she is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things become new. We need to make sense of our compelling position. If there be any consolation or since there is consolation, our relationship, our positional affinity in Christ. Thank God. This is what it means to be a child of God. It's not that your name is on the church roll. What makes you and I a Christian is do we have a position in Christ? I know I've been changed. Not because I'm a member of a church, but because the Lord has come into my life. That Shekinah glory that went before Israel as a pillar of fire at night, as a cloud in the daytime, guess what? In the New Testament, believer, that glory is in us. Since there are consolations in Christ, we need to make sense of our compelling position. We need to make sense in the second instance of our comforting provision. He says in the text, since there are comforts of his love. The word here is used is agape. It is a word used in the New Testament to express the unconditional love of God. You know why I love him today? Because he first loved me. Paul says, since you have this comforting provision, this comfort of love. And what it means is, the word translated comfort means that God's love passionately addresses us each and every day of our lives. Isn't it wonderful? See, when we wake up in the morning, it's this love that says good morning. When we go home and come back safely and we are able to survive the hazards of driving or flying, it's his love that greets us. When our children leave and come back safe, it's his love that greets us. Thank God for the love that passionately addresses us every day of our lives. Paul says we have the comfort of his love. And it's because we have that love that we can love one another. Jesus says, and he doesn't miss words, 
In the Gospel of John, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I've loved you, love ye one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. And what he commands us, he provides the resources to fulfill. Because we have the comfort of his love. I don't know about you, but love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, but it was love that lifted me. Paul, after almost 12 chapters of reasoning and arguing with the Corinthians, he says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have faith so that I can remove mountains and have not love, it profit me nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, I am nothing. That's the kind of love that addresses me every morning and all the moments of my day. Since we have this comforting provision, since we have compelling position, the third sense is we have a connecting partnership. He says, if any fellowship of the Spirit, since we have the fellowship of the Spirit. One of the reasons that we can have togetherness and oneness and unity is that it is the nature of the Holy Spirit to bring us together. It is no secret why on the day of Pentecost in the upper room when they were on one accord, that the Holy Spirit showed up as cloven tongues of fire and the church experienced a unity that they had never experienced before. And long before the preacher takes us into the waters of baptism, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's one baptism, but there's many feelings. Do I have a witness here? said that you have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's good to know that we have someone whose very presence in our life reminds us that we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's a wonderful book by one of my favorite authors, J.P. Marlin, called The Kingdom Triangle, and I just heard him share about this book And he talks about the things that were so fundamental or characteristic of the church in Acts and how we need to rediscover that. And one of the things that he shared was that we need to rediscover the power of the Holy Spirit. And he talked about how in the third world countries and in Muslim countries, how reports are coming back that there are miracles that are taking place. That people who have been sick are being healed. That people who've died have been resuscitated. There's miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's why the church is not anymore the strongest in the United States. It's the strongest in some of these other countries whose naivety have not caused them to intellectualize the Holy Spirit out of the plan of the program. My brothers and sisters, I believe the Holy Spirit is real. And since we have the Holy Spirit, 
Not only can we experience togetherness in our own soul, but we can experience togetherness in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is not just an influence that makes us move and shout at certain points of our life. The Holy Spirit is a real person who you can call on and tell him what you want. I love that point in Paul's epistle to the Romans. It sure did revolutionize my prayer life when he said even when you don't know how to pray and when you don't know what to pray for I've been there I've done that I even when you don't feel the motivation to pray say there's one that prays for you and there's one that prays for me with groanings and moanings and utterings that cannot be mentioned I thank God when he takes me at the low points of my life and put my prayer life on autopilot and the Holy Spirit shows up and starts praying for me when I don't even feel like saying Lord have mercy on me he still shows up and he prays for me oh yes sis sis there is fellowship of the spirit you know when you have this sense say it with me sense y'all know I'm talking about S-I-N-C-E the fellowship of the spirit when you have this sense it will cause you to look at things differently my brothers and sisters I was at a meeting not too long ago and a woman was there with her little boy and I was listening to the lecturer facilitate the meeting but this little boy something on his t-shirt and it was written upside down and I thought this mother ought to check her child before she let him come out of the house with his t-shirt upside down and I was distracted I was trying to listen to the lecturer and the facilitator and I kept turning to find out what that little boy had written on his t-shirt and then I finally saw it in its entirety and this was during the time we had that first big winter snowstorm it said if you can read this my head is stuck in the snow would you please get me out my brothers and sisters if we allow the Holy Ghost to move in our lives we'll read differently. We'll see things differently. We'll treat one another differently because we'll read not so much upside down but right side up. Sometimes all we need to do is bend in that situation and allow the Holy Spirit to give us a brand new view. So here's the third sense, since we have a connecting partnership. The other two was the sense of compelling position. And the second one was the sense of comforting provision. But here's the fourth one. It's the sense of continual pardon. Oh, I couldn't wait to get here. I've been trying to move a little fast to get to this place. It says in the text... That fourth if, and you know the if is since, since 
their bowels and mercies. Now that sounds kind of crude to us, but one of the ways the New Testament writers express deep affection and deep love is they use a word that literally means your organs on the inside are turning inside out. There's extreme agitation. This is the same word used in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus looks at the multitude and it says he had compassion on them, meaning there was deep emotional upheaval in his spirit because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And Paul said, we have. Paul said, we already have deep compassion and mercies. Oh, y'all looking at me like you don't need it. I don't know about you, but I need more mercy. And I need more grace. You see, I believe one of the psychoses that grips people in our culture is that people don't know what to do with their guilt. Ravi Zacharias said you can do five things with guilt. He said you can expel it by irreverence and that makes life unlivable. He says you can smother it with pride that makes life unjustifiable. He said you can consume it with fear that makes life unbearable. He said you can treat it as it's just a cultural phenomenon and that makes life untenable. He says, but you can cover it. You can cover it with grace and that makes life forgivable. You see, what I need is grace and mercy. More grace and more mercy. I need somebody who can look beyond my faults and see my knees. G.K. Chesterton was a great apologist of the last century and Dr. Chesterton was once asked that question if you were on a deserted island Dr. Chesterton what would you take? So folk most of them in the audience was waiting for that spiritual answer was waiting for the politically correct answer. Dr. Chesterton said what I would take is a book called The Basic Art of Shipbuilding. <laughs> well, uh, when you are stranded uh, on the deserted island of frailty, fragility, flawness, fallenness, and failure, you know what I need? I don't need a book on how to win friends and influence people. I don't need a book on the seven habits of a highly effective people. I don't need a physics primer. I don't need an economics primer. I don't need a management text. What I need when I'm on the island called fallen. What I need on the island called failure. What I need on the island called flawed is grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Grace. Oh, am I making sense? Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Is there anybody here need some grace? Anybody here need some mercy? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If, yes, since I have it, since I have it, the bowels and mercy.
promises. You ask me where did I get it? On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and change. Yes, I did. You heard it this morning. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. It was there by faith I received my sight and now and now I'm happy I'm happy happy in Jesus alone I tell you I got some sense this morning I got some sense this morning I got a comforting provision I got a compelling position I got a connecting partnership thank God I do I got all of that and I got continual pardon. He's able. He's able. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, leave here. Leave here and make sense of our faith. Make sense. Not S-E-N-S-E. Some of us in trouble because of S-E-N-S-E. You got to make sense. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.